Ronananian. I've been recalled. Well, actually, not me. The 2008 Chevy pickup. Got a notice today in the mail. The car doctor. Some inflators for the airbag system may experience an alteration over time. What's an alteration over time? I thought an alteration over time was when you brought an interior decorator in and they changed the colors in the room when you weren't looking. I'm going to bring the crew over to the house. We give it everything that we have in the once-over department, and then in the end, you'll be very, very happy. Trust me. You just smile away. <laughs> We're going to color coordinate with the swans, right? Swans? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Forgive me, for I think I have sinned. I actually helped somebody enjoy their Volkswagen. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. The problem was that, uh, uh, well, I'll tell you the story like this. A, a fairly new customer came into the shop this week with his later model Volkswagen GTI. And, you know, listen, everybody's got their own cup of tea. Everybody's got their whatever floats their boat. And, and I get that, and I'm for that. You know, I if the world was run my way, everybody would be driving black 55 Chevys with open headers, but that's just me. And I realize that's not for everyone. And Scott is really in love with his Volkswagen GTI, but he's not happy with the brakes. The brakes are there. It's not that the brakes don't stop the car. Well, they don't look cool as he put it to me. And I kind of went, well, I didn't know brakes could look cool. I just figured they had to stop the car. Like that was just important enough. And he wants the look. He wants that. So they're not rusting because it doesn't drive it a lot. Now I understand what he's talking about. So, it was a short conversation, but I think effective because I got him to see the value and the perspective of putting a set of coated calipers on. You know, and it's funny because everything is timing. We had just uh, had the folks on from Cardone. We talked to them about their ultra line of brake calipers and how you can get their brake calipers powder coated, or they will powder coat brake calipers of your choice. And I took Scott out to their website. I showed him the whole routine. I actually showed him I have a sample of their calipers in the shop, and I walked him through it and explained the value of it. And I said, look, they won't rust, and they're guaranteed, and they'll do what they're supposed to do. So I kept the Volkswagen on the road this week. I'm not sure if that's legitimate. They might drum me out of the union. But um, in any event, I just wanted to do a quick shout-out and tell you this story because I know Scott's out there listening today. And, Scott, I told you this was going to make the radio show. You know, that's one of the things when you're the when you're the guy on radio and then people see you locally, they go, you know, are you going to talk about this on radio? I don't know. It depends how interesting it is. Um, and I thought this was valid simply because, yeah, if brakes and how they look are a concern to you, Get out to Cardone and take a look at their line of ultra brake calipers, and uh, you'll see what they're doing powder coating-wise. And uh, they're doing it to a very high standard and a very high level. It's um, definitely something worth looking at. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Here to solve your question and uh, talk to you about your automobile, whatever it might be. Keep in mind this is an interview-free hour. The phone lines are backed up. I'm getting the high sign from Big Tony like you better shove off and go. So shove off and go we go. Let's get over and talk to Irving from Spring Valley, New York, 2002 Chevy Impala, intermittent no start. Just my cup of tea. Irving, welcome to the car doctor, sir. Oh, How can great. I help? Hey, hi, Ron. Yes, Thanks sir. for taking my call. Hope You're you welcome. can help me. Yes, sir. 
What's going on? 2002 Chevy Impala, about 90,000 miles. Right. Bought it in about 2004. Right. Sometimes, not every month, maybe every twice in a month, maybe skip three or four months, but you'll get in the car, turn the key, and nothing happens. It's just dead. You, you'll, you'll jiggle this, the stick, you'll do this, you'll turn the key again, nothing. You, you just shut it off, go out, wait 15, 20 minutes, go back in, magic, the car starts. Okay, so my first question is, when you turn the key on, do you have dash lights? Uh, don't know. Okay. I never really thought of it. Okay, so the next time it happens, the first thing I want you to look for is turn. You know, you turn the key on, you'll have dash lights. There'll be activity on the dashboard. Oh if, yes, I think it, yes, it does. Okay, so you've got dash lights, but you've got no crank. No crank. No Nothing. crank. Okay, so then the next question I've got, or the next thing I would want someone to do, is scan the body module. What I'm looking scan. for here is. Right. What I'm looking for here is, is a possible fault with the pass lock system, with the anti-theft. And I'd be willing to bet we're going to see something along the lines of a 1687 or a 1680 series fault code in it, meaning the pass lock sensor, the signal out of the ignition switch, isn't being received by the body module, allowing the vehicle to crank and go into enable. Sometimes it does say security. Right. Well, there you go. We're, we're, you, you've got an anti-theft event going on here, Irving. And there's okay. ways to repair it. There are also ways that a mechanic can bypass it if you're not worried about somebody stealing the 12-year-old Impala with 100,000 miles on it anymore. You know, there are, there are methods that can be done. What's very common and what you may want to try the next time it occurs is, does the car have tilt wheel? Uh, yes. Okay. The next time it happens, leave the key in the on position. It won't matter. Take the tilt, pull the lever, and rock the wheel up and down. Wake it up! Oh, very little, good. Okay. Wake, wake it up a little bit. If we've got a poor connection at the harness, if we've got a, a wire that's rubbing and possibly grounding, if we've got a connection issue, doing that. I mean, don't break anything, but just wake it up right. enough, like you're gonna, you know, give somebody a nudge to wake them up out of bed, and uh, see. One mechanic said, "Run the uh, the arm, park, drive, park, drive. You know, run that up and down a few times." Yeah, you know, that he's keep... same ideas. Right church, wrong pew. All right, he's he's right. close but no cigar. But I'd, I'd be willing to bet this is an anti-theft event, and then we can kind of follow it down. I just went through this on a customer's Buick, same same generation, an 04 uh, Buick Century, and we ended up putting a bypass resistor down in the base of the column, or I told him how to do it because he's a handy guy, and uh, um, he can he does computer repair and, and washing machines and everything else under the sun. And I said, right. listen, uh, there's no reason you have to pay me to do this. Just Just find a resistor, check the resistance of the value, at the uh, key, and um, you know, put a bypass resistor in, and away you go. And uh, from my understanding, it's solved Thank you, thank it you for very him. much. You're very welcome, sir. Good luck to you, Irving. Let's get on over and talk to Bill Benton, Maine, and a '96 Pontiac Grand Am and an intermittent 302. Boy, today's intermittent day here on the Car Doctor. Bill, welcome, sir. What can I do? Thank you, Ron. How you doing? Good, sir. Uh, this is about about a two year old uh, problem. Okay, uh, I've replaced or swapped with known good parts the coil module plug and injector all right now i'm still getting a, a flashing check engine seems only to be uh, on acceleration but not always uh, i'm just wondering if it's possibly a 7x or a 24x uh it could uh, be but before you know it it not that if it's a 302 bill i wouldn't see i wouldn't see a a, a, a rationale for that or the logic for that how that would work that's what i can't figure out why it's only affecting one cylinder so, now in this past 2 years i've had uh, two p300s 
Okay, well, let me, well, because it's seeing a random misfire, but, and, and that could make the argument for a crank sensor. But before we do that, let me just ask you a couple of questions. When you, Go ahead. you know, when you swapped ignition around and injectors, did you move injectors and it always came back to two? No, I, put, I originally put a, a new coil in it. Okay. So, and it seemed to take care for a little bit, and that didn't do it. And I had a, I had a uh, module and coil pack from a car that I had worked on previously that I knew what was good and swapped that. Okay. Worked for a little while. Worked for a couple, two, three weeks. My wife's driven the car all week. No problems. Um, like I said, it seems to be an acceleration problem. Have you have you replaced the injector or swapped the injector? I, I replaced the injector twice with the factory rebuilds. Okay. For giggles, have you, when the problem happens, or as reasonably close as you can get to it, what I'm curious to know is I wonder what the resistance value readings would be on all six injectors, vehicle warm, shut off, sitting there in the in the bay. Um, to well, see if, if we've got an injector. Three ones a little hard. You've got to pull the upper yeah, plenum off. I know. Do that. It's difficult to get to. Right. Um, either that or you've uh, got to find a test point at the PCM and make it up there. Um, I'm thinking possibly an injector driver in the ECM well, or possibly a uh, harmonic balancer uh, with uh, broken rubber. Yeah, but why would it be a 302 after two years? I, by now, the, by, I, I don't know. By now, the rubber should have deteriorated enough, and right. y- you would think it would have changed or, or modified itself. Now, high mileage car, Jeff? Or Bill, I'm sorry. High mileage uh, car? 160. 160K. You know, you wonder about uh, a, a sticky valve train. And I have seen that. I have seen valves that are tight, and they get tighter as the vehicle gets warmer. And they do create issues, and possibly yeah. carbon deposits. If there's any sort of oil consumption, are you using any oil in this vehicle? No, I just put head gaskets on it uh, probably twenty thousand miles ago. Okay, for, uh, for a antifreeze leak. Did the problem happen since then? Yes. When you had the heads off, and even though you're going to tell me you solved the coolant leak, when you had the heads off, did you have them crack checked? No, the the plug's dry. Okay. Are you using any coolant? No. Okay. Um, I'm going to go back to, have you taken that bad, that so-called bad injector that you pulled out of number two and moved it somewhere else? No. Why don't we do that? Just, 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 no. for, the, just for the conversation, just to get it okay. out of the picture. You know, because there's no rule that says that that new injector you put in or that new reman you put in is good. We all know what yeah. new stands for. Well, that's what I thought at first, so I got another one. I, right. I, at the time, I was working at, I'm, I'm still working. I was a mechanic, right? and I got laid off. Now I'm working as a, in a parts store in I, central Maine. I, I mean, the argument I, the argument could be made here is if you've changed, let's let's make some assumptions, and we both know why that's dangerous, all right? If, right. If you've changed all the ignition, if you've changed the fuel, and you've still got the problem, you're either down to a PCM or a mechanical issue in the engine. Which, right. which end do you want to attack first? Yeah, because in between, it runs fine. Right. I, I, do, I do have a 3-4 uh, gear chuggle in it, which I'm, I'm aware of. And that's right. Not yeah, that's what, makes it, it. That, that's what makes it a Pontiac of that vintage. Uh, <laughs> that's, right. that's common. And I also understand that the, the camshaft on that was uh, built with the – they stacked the uh, lobes on it, right. pressed them on. Right. But if that was the case that one of them slipped – 
I wouldn't. I would be constantly bad. This is what I. This is why I can't figure out. Right, and if it was, believe me, if it's a two-year problem, if it's a two-year problem at this point in time, something else would have rattled itself apart. All right, that's you, why I'm. I'm kind of leaning towards a bad injector driver. The only thing I would tell you to do is, I wonder if the. I'm going back and thinking about what you said about the balancer. If the balancer moved and then locked up again, I wonder if. A, I wonder if we could be off just enough. I wonder where it indexes off where it considers top. Does it start the firing order on two? No, it's going to start it on one. But I wonder if the cylinder number two has any role in injector trigger in somehow modifying one of the firing orders or the firing order right. and, and possibly causing that. Right. What's what's going to do that, the 7X or the 24X? Is, I'll, I'll tell you what, Bill, sit tight. We're up against the clock. Let me come back to this. I don't want to just... Uh, rush through this, but I want to give you some more information. I'm Ron Annie in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor rolling along at 855-560-9900. We've got Bill on the phone from Maine. We're having a conversation about his 96 Grand Am and an intermittent P0302 misfire problem. Bill, you're still there. Yes, sir. Um, let me ask you this question real quick. To answer your question before the call, I'll do it like this. The 24 times crank signal is used below 1,200 RPM to help improve idle idle quality and and tell the computer where, where the crank is in terms of uh, you know position. The three times signal is used throughout. Now, if there were an issue there, you would be most likely to set a P0336 crank position fault or one related to the three times sensor. That being right. said, I, I, well, that being said, one of the things we haven't addressed is have you looked at mode six with this car? No. Okay. How do we know there isn't another cylinder misfiring and the 302 is the only one that's really strong enough to cause the fault? Well, it, it, uh, about a year ago, after I replaced the uh, number two cylinder injector, a uh, day or two later, I had no 304. Okay. So I replaced that one. And then I still got a 302, so I, I pulled that one out, sent it back as defective, and got another uh, second one for, for the second cylinder. Right, but have you looked at – so you've swapped a bunch of parts. I'm just thinking trying to come back to square – have you looked at anything and analyzed any data other than, okay, I've got a misfire, let me change this part, I've got a misfire, let me change that part? Um, do you have the ability to look at mode six? I, not, no, not right now, no. I did at the time. Uh, okay. I, I looked at the misfire counters. Right. Uh, history of misfire counters, and it was just uh, one or two cylinders, two and, and four at a time. I haven't had any problems with four since that one time. Is always been... If it be, and, and again, I'm just trying to strike this and limit this. Is this really only cylinder two? If this is really only cylinder two, then you're going to have to either scope the injector driver and compare it to one of the others that you know are good or not causing a problem. And the only way you're going to know if they're really not potentially causing a problem is to know there's no other misfire, so you're going to have to go look at mode six anyway. Right. All right? Or... If the injector driver is okay and it's pulling to ground cleanly, and by that I mean it can be pulling it, 
pulling the pulling the turning the injector on and pulling the signal low, but it may not be pulling it to ground all the way, and that can cause a misfire and a stumble. A lean misfire, uh, particularly at high speed. Okay, right. So right. you know that's something that's going to require a little bit of scope work, and then after that, you're down to it's a problem in the cylinder mechanically with the engine. I'd probably start by taking a real hard look at mode six. Is this the only cylinder that's got misfires reported on it approaching anything of value of anything of consequence that are going to make a misfire? That's the way I'd approach this. All right. That's what I'll, you know, I'll have to do. That. See if that is the only cylinder. And then right. I, and mechanically, you said in between the misfire events, it runs fine. Right. Right. Which, um, which kind of, to me, rules out a mechanical problem. Yeah. I, you know, it's rare when you see a mechanical Although, I'll tell you what, we just had a customer real quick, and then i got to go. We just had a customer this past week. She's got a late-model Dodge. Um, it's still under warranty, and 5,000 miles ago, the, uh, I think two cylinders on the left bank stuck intake valves, and she had it back to the dealer, and they took it apart, and they supposedly did whatever, you know, unstuck the valves. It was setting misfire problems and sticky valves, and she just had the problem repeat two weeks ago. And hmm. it's an intermittent. Surprise. Yeah. it's Surprise the valve train didn't come apart. Right. Like they do. Uh, yeah, it's you know it's an intermittent, so you know you can't rule it out. And and again, this is not an easy code to solve. But I'm just trying to think beyond the let's try this, let's change this, let's change that. Let's start to look at some of the things we haven't looked at and try and get some answers as far as numbers are concerned. I said I was I, I did have the counter misfire counters on too. Right, and they well, were up there. Right, and so, and you very right, well I'm, could. Yeah, let's let's see what mode six is telling us and go from there. All right, I'll get a, I'll get a scan tool and uh, and we'll check that out. Okay. Ron, I appreciate your help. You're welcome, Bill. Good luck, and I'm here if you need me. Send me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. All right, sir. So, All righty, very good. You. You're very welcome. Uh, real quick reply. You know, this is funny. Uh, the close of the last hour, if you were around for that, I was talking about someone had sent an email about a 2000 Honda Accord and the problem they were having with a P1381 as far as a fault inside the distributor, and my suggestion was to take a look at the alternator, possible diode failure, AC current leakage, and things like that. Here's an email from a listener who's out there listening right now in Kansas, and they said, Ron, you're right on the money. We had the exact problem on our Honda. The only issue we had was finding a good quality alternator. We ended up going through two, and then I finally realized that I could get a Denso alternator from my local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, score one for the home team. And um, we put a Denso alternator on it, and it fixed it for us. We want to just tell you that we love the show. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Scott out in uh, Kansas. Look at that. Yeah. You know what? Denso does make a great alternator. I'm Ron and the Car Doctor. Back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the, the Car Doctor, marching on down the road. Uh, by the way, just to visit this Honda alternator issue one last time, uh, the clock kind of caught me short there. Yeah, uh, the listener had said, for those of you just tuning in, we're talking about a Honda with a failure and a, a cam sensor issue. Uh, we're talking about alternator replacement to solve the faults code because of a uh, problem with diode failure. And um, one of the things I was the listener pointed out was they finally put a Denso alternator on, and they were surprised to find out, hey, Denso makes alternators. Yeah, you know what? Denso does not just make spark plugs. You know, we've been talking about their Denso Iridium TT spark plugs here on the show for some time now, and uh, we've, we've talked to them. We've interviewed them. Denso is not just a spark plug company. Denso makes a lot of great auto parts, and uh, we use a lot of their stuff in the shop on an everyday basis, like I said to the gentleman 
um, when we had the interview that day, I said, you know, the only problem I have with you guys is I can't get enough of your parts for, on, on some days for all the cars I work on because uh, then so you just put it on and it works. You don't have to think about it. It's OE level on so many vehicles today. Anyway, um, just to uh, clear that up, but, yeah, I'm not surprised that a Denso alternator was what solved the problem. Let's get over and talk to Jeff, Hawthorne, New Jersey. Problems with a town and country and some brake problems. Jeff, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, hi. It's uh, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, I, uh, we have a 2009 uh, town and country, the touring edition. I think it was the 25th uh, anniversary of the town and country, and it's got 277 uh thousand miles on it we've had this shimmy on the, when you hit the brakes from about 1665 uh since almost when we got the car we brought it back a couple times and they said no 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 there's nothing wrong with it and um the the front uh the front rotors are nice and smooth but the back are kind of grooved and we took it in for it had a recall on the uh the phobic, they call the FOP, the uh, remote control. Right, the, uh, right. And they, uh, I asked them to check the brakes again, and, of course, they said that the, uh, oh, just bring them in. We can, uh, we can uh, smooth out the rotors and uh, uh, charge you $600, and you'll be all fixed. Well, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. If, if you've taken this in, did you take this in and make the complaint while it was under warranty? Well, yeah, that's the problem. We didn't drive. We have other cars, and we didn't drive it that much. My wife... It's just been really driving it the last maybe two years, and it's it's out of warranty now. So uh, you know it's a it's a bizarre mistake. We should have we should have right from the beginning uh, really hammered them. But right. I, I went online and I spoke to this uh, 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 lemon doctor, uh, lemon lawyer, and they basically said that uh, there was a problem with the they're either the rotors or the calipers are undersized for the weight of the vehicle, and that's causing the problem of premature uh, pad and uh, rotor wear out. Um, he said because you're out of warranty, you know, you could join a class action suit, but that seems ridiculous uh, to even bother with that. I, 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 can you give me a, what would be the, your solution to solving this problem? I know I could put on new rotors. Yeah, and, 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 and frankly, I've run into this quite, quite often. Matter of fact, we just went through this about two weeks ago in the shop where we had a 2011 Chrysler Town & Country come in, and it had a brake pulse issue. I mean, you're, you're, you're sort of describing what the customer said to me at the counter. Um, it was a little bit of a higher mileage. It was around 42,000 miles, yeah. if I remember correctly. And it was a shake in the seat of the pants, a shake in the steering wheel. And I, I'm familiar with this to the point that the only brake pads and rotors I will put on that vehicle, that particular vehicle, are from Chrysler. And for the simple reason that Chrysler has revamped all the pad part numbers and all the rotor part numbers. And I am fairly certain from what I'm seeing when parts show up that the brake pad is a different compound and the rotor is a slightly superior quality. Uh, I do not machine those rotors. I don't machine rotors in general anymore anyway. M machining rotors is just... And the problem is on, on newer vehicles, anything in the last 15 years, there isn't enough metal there. There's barely enough metal there to keep it straight new from the factory. And now you machine it, and you're making it thinner, you're making it thinner and now you're putting more stress on it. And, you know, and then the other problem is, you know, not to say that this is always, always rotors. We get a brake pulse complaint. I'll road test it or Daniel road test it, and we'll come back. Yeah, it's got the shake. Here's where we feel it. 
you've got to dial indicate the hub. You've got to make sure the hub is square. You've got to make sure you don't have any issues there. And then before you mount the new rotor, whatever it is, and I see a lot of techs making this simple mistake, that they won't clean the hub. There's a little bit of surface rust there. We'll always clean the hub. That's always something you've got to do. And we use a brake silicon grease, and we'll just put a smear of it on there and just let it absorb into the metal, into the pores, and that always makes good you know, removal, and it also prevents rust buildup again. Now, on this particular car, yeah, and you know what? It's not that the brakes are so much undersized, but the weight capacity, because you could put six or seven people in this depending upon how many seats, yeah. and all of a sudden the weight factor comes into play, and uh, you take it on vacation, it's a lot of weight. Um, I would tell you to go back to the dealer, you know, where you bought it from, that's been servicing it, and, you know, say, listen, let's make a deal, all right? I'm not breaking your chops. I'm coming to you guys. I'm trying to use you guys as my service facility, all right? You're the guys I have faith in. It's time to have that cup of coffee conversation. What can you do for me? Replacing the pads and rotors. I And this these are the words I want you to use, Jeff. I know you guys have some customer consideration money from Chrysler. All right, because they all do. They all have the ability to make customers happy. It just depends on, you know, what kind of mood yeah. they're in that day. I think, um, you know, I want you to give me some customer consideration, and I want you to prove to me why I'm going to buy another Chrysler from you in three years. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Let's take that approach. And if they tell you, "Hey, Jeff, we can machine the rotors, and it's going to be six hundred dollars," well, you got your answer. Time to go yeah. buy. Time to go buy a yeah, Ford. But, but here's a- you wouldn't recommend going to AutoZone and buying buying new rotors from them. You, you you're saying that there, there's this Chrysler has done research on this problem yep. and they've my, developed better rotors. My better. my experience has been that Chrysler's got the best product for this vehicle available right now. And as as far as AutoZone and as far as some of the other O'Reilly auto parts chains, like yeah, you know some of the other auto parts chains make me nervous. All right, if there was an O'Reilly auto parts around you, I'd have no problem yeah. sending you there. I have great faith in their product. I think they make a superior product, the ones that they private label, as well as they've got national brands. Some of these, you know, the AutoZones, the Advances, um, some of their house brands just make me second-guess what's really going on. Yeah. When I take those rotors out of the box, I look at them, and, um, you know, needless to say, it's China, but I question what part of China. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've come to the conclusion there's a good China and there's a bad China. And uh, I'm not quite sure where those two areas are, but I just hope that they never meet. So, Rod, so. your advice would be to, to uh, use the uh, the dialogue uh, customer consideration, right? What sort of uh, right? See what they can do to re- to replace the rotors and the and the uh, right. pads. Say, listen, uh, you know, one one other thing that baffles me: um, the, the, the front uh, rotors are perfectly smooth and shiny. And the rear ones are, are all grooved, uh, like the pads are worn out. But uh, it, they seem to, when you, when you press the emergency brake, uh, just using the rear brakes, the, the car, does, it stops. But what would cause that premature wearing of the, uh, in the, in the grooving of the, of the rotors in the rear? Compound of the material or possibly the caliper slides are frozen because the vehicle's been sitting. Maybe the brakes are dragging. And if I'm not mistaken, the rear parking brake mechanism on that vehicle isn't the caliper. It's a set of shoes inside the rotor. No, oh, really? So one, has, one may have nothing to do with the other. I'm almost certain that's the setup they're using back there. Mm. So, you know, again, this is about you understand the car is older. You understand it's out of warranty. All right, so you were negligent in the fact that you didn't drive it. 
But we both know, and this is you talking to him, we both know this is a common problem. What are you yeah. going to do for me? I'm willing to meet you halfway. Can you do this 50-50? Yeah, I understand it'll cost me 300 bucks. Can you give me pads and rotors all the way around and, and let Chrysler and I'll be in three years from now to buy my next vehicle? See right. what they say. Hey, you know what? If they tell you no, then you don't want to buy a car from Chrysler because they don't want to sell you one yeah. because a customer means nothing to them, and I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. My father's gone 1968, Jeff. I'll conclude the conversation here. My father's gone since 1968. As a little kid, I remember sitting at the kitchen table, him telling my mother, and he was in the carpet business in Englewood, New Jersey, yeah. all right? And he would always say, there's no such thing as a new customer. There's only a customer that came into you from somebody else that was really annoyed that didn't get treated properly. And there's a right. lot of truth in that. All right, yeah. sir? Yeah, well, that's good advice. You know, we, are, we have a, a 2007 uh, Cadillac FCS four-wheel drive. And this is the thing with GM. I mean, this, the car was it's a beautiful car. Right. It, it was still under warranty. And we had a, a, a brake problem uh, with the I mean, we brought it in. Uh, it, to, it was still in the warranty, and we had to pay six hundred dollars. He said, "Oh, the brakes aren't covered." Well, and you know, Jeff, I understand that, and that's again. Do you want to sell me another car? It's it's. I got to tell you, and that's a conversation for another day because I'm up against the clock. There's a lot of times where we do work at the shop. It really isn't the fault of us, really isn't the fault of the parts, really isn't the fault of the customer. You only get one chance to annoy somebody, and you never see them again, and that's the reality and the truth of it all. Jeff, I appreciate the call. I've got to go. The clock's going to take me. I'll be back right after this. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. Let's real quick go over to Paul, East Meadow, Long Island, and the 2003 Ford Mustang Mach 1. And some problems with state inspection. Paul, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Oh, thanks for taking my call, Ron. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I purchased the, like, the purchased the car like two weeks ago. Okay. And, uh, and the dealership, it's a Ford dealership, and it's like um, an hour away. Right. And so I went to pick up the car and do the final, you know, everything and uh they went to inspect it they ran it into the station there and they told me that uh they had an r on there an emissions and they told me that uh they disconnected the battery supposedly and i gotta drive 100 miles and then come back so i did that a week later i came back and they took the car back into the inspection and it's got the r on there and uh the guy, the guy, the person who inspected it comes out with some paperwork, and it says inspection cannot proceed because um, emissions. Okay, but so well, let's let's back up a second here, Paul. Okay, you bought this as a used car. Correct. It's a 2003 Mustang Mach One. Right, and you just bought this recently. Correct. All right. Two weeks ago. Okay, so let's go through the simple stuff. When you okay. when you turn the key on. Do you Correct. have a, do you have a check engine light and bulb check? When you turn the key uh, to the on position, do you see a bulb uh, check engine light come on? Yes, every all the lights come on there. Yes. Okay. And then and, I start it and they go off. All right, and you do have a check engine light that comes on and bulb check. That's very important. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So then yeah. the report they're handing you 
In New Jersey, it would be called a VIR, a Vehicle Inspection Report. Um, I believe they call it something similar in New York. Uh, what they're okay. handing you is a report that says the vehicle failed for emissions. Does it say something along the lines of monitors not ready or monitors incomplete? Okay. I wrote down everything. Does it, it says ready, O2 sensor ready, monitor, passed. Right. Pass ready, O2 heat sensor monitor, passed. Which one's not ready? Uh, catalytic monitor not ready, evaporator system monitor not ready, exhaust gas. Uh, e EGR not ready. Not ready. Okay, let me ask but, you this. Uh, when you drove oh, this around for the week, right? did you ever get out on the highway and do 55, 60 miles an hour steady state for 20 minutes? Yes, because, yes, the dealership's like an hour and a half away, so, yeah. Okay. So I'm back and forth a couple times, so. All right. What the, the problem with this vehicle, and, and let me just ask one more question before I give you a diagnosis. Is, okay. the, is the dealership responsible for inspection? Okay, here's the thing. I got back in touch with him because this guy who inspected the car wanted me to go somewhere through the registry, uh, certified that people who deal with problems like this. And uh, they, they told me the other day, to make an appointment and bring it back and let their technicians look at it. But see, I got a neighbor down the street. He plugged his machine into the computer, and he found nothing wrong. Everything was... Well, you know, wait a minute. I'll, right. I'll tell you what, Paul. Let me pull over and take a pause. I don't want to rush this, but we're up against the clock. But I've got about three minutes when I come back. Stay put. I'm Ron and in the car, Doctor. We'll return right after this. car is automatic, it's systematic, it's hydromatic, why it's greased lightning. Welcome back, we're on the in the car doctor, winding it down, let's get back to Paul East Meadow, Long Island. Paul, are you still there, sir? Yes, I am. So, so real quick, before the clock takes us, my first question is, and don't do it now, but go back and look afterwards, anywhere in the paperwork does it say it's guaranteed for state inspection? I, you know, I understand you've got a neighbor down the block and he's got a scan tool right. and he can read it. And, but, you know, okay. if, if, if that says it's guaranteed for state inspection, it's not your right. problem. And okay, that'd if, be on the paperwork, yeah, obviously. Right. And if the dealership says, well, it's not our problem anymore for whatever reason, yeah, I got it in writing. And New York has some of the strictest auto repair rules in the country. You call okay. Albany and let them know that you're, you've been. Well, you know, actually, I'm from Mass. Okay. But, well, where's the vehicle? In Massachusetts. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought this was Long Island. Okay. Um, same thing with Mass, though. This is still an OBD2 inspection. So, okay. you know, it's still, if it says it in writing, then, you know, if it's in writing, that vehicle's got to pass inspection. That's number one. Okay. Number number two, if the monitors are not running, then, we, then we've got to find out why. Is there a fault code pending? And you're going to tell me that the neighbor that looked with a scan tool finds nothing. We've got to Correct. start to do, you want to Google and start to read about drive cycle, OBD2 drive cycle, all right? Okay, I'll write and, that down. And what, what that's about, Paul, is when you get up in the morning, you go through a routine, right? You Correct. shower, you shave, you potty, you do all your normal stuff. Car does the right. same thing. Car goes through its routine. They call it running monitors. 
It's its patterns of operation that allow the onboard computer to see, is the vehicle falling within emission compliance? And at that point, if something isn't in compliance, then that vehicle then gets subjected to and sets a code. And that's where this could possibly go. So first step, guaranteed for inspection, yes or no? And then let's look at monitors, and can we get them to run? And if not, why not? And then call me back and let me know we'll go from there. Hey, a real quick shout-out. We had a special in-studio guest today. I want to say howdy-do and glad to have you aboard. My best friend forever, Russell Kogi from Ramsey, New Jersey. Knows me way back when. We were glad to have him in studio today. And I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor reminding you, mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless.